0: Hey everyone and welcome back to episode two of Gen Zeal. We're so thankful for everyone's amazing support of episode one. And we're just gonna jump right into episode two. So I'll turn it over to Vahini.
1: So today we have superstar, resident historian, and SCOTUS hopeful, Toby Omotoso. Toby has just graduated from Rutgers University with degrees in political science and history, as well as a certificate from the Eagleton Institute of Politics as an undergraduate associate. When he's not in the classroom, he's following basketball, playing video games, and listening to an abundance of podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us, Toby.
0: Hi! Thank you for having me. I've been so excited for this. <laughs>
1: uh, so we're just gonna
0: we're gonna jump right into it because we just want to know as much about you as possible. So <laughs> graduating from Rutgers with degrees in political science and history, what kind of drew you to that uh, realm of study?
2: So when I was younger, in fifth grade, um, kind of trying to figure out who the heck I was at that point in time. Um, <laughs> My uncle filled in that blank. He handed me a book called America's Wars that was like 500 pages. And I blitzed, I blitzed all the way through it. And I came out thinking, oh my God, wow. I live in the center of evil. Like that's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) And and I was, um, I was absolutely hooked though, because all the stories were, so interesting and so fascinating and history was my love before politics for sure because I just thought you know why even read fiction when you could find a war in like the 1600s that started because some kids stole peaches like that's insane that's real by the way you can look that up it's called (laughs) the Pequot War but like I was just like all right, history is my thing. I'm going to keep studying this. And I don't even know if there's a job at the end of that, but I was always interested. I kept bringing in these massive books. I look like a, a comic book
0: character.
2: <laughs> um, and it wasn't until the like later part of middle school where I started to notice the intersection between history and politics and the application of the morals that come out of like feeling things about these stories feeling like wait a minute that was wrong that was a betrayal that doesn't seem fair somebody seems like they're getting raked over the coals and so politics seem the natural natural um thing to fall into
1: that's so interesting that like (laughs) you you saw these like moral dilemmas in terms to like politics and not like (laughs) philosophy or religion. But I think that's so interesting and so insightful and optimistic about the study of politics that we don't really see ever. Um, well mind
2: you i was in middle school so I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know what i was getting into i just thought oh if i argue the good things will happen and that's not that's not
0: i feel like that's a similar journey though that a lot of people because bahini and i both studied political science or bahini still studying political science my but condolences
2: like, to both of you yeah that
0: journey is like like I, I've been watching stuff that I used to watch as a kid. Like I've rewatched the Star Wars movies, and I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, America's the Empire. Like we are not the rebels. <laughs> we're, we're never." The, I, always, I don't relate America to ever like the good character. Like in Harry oh, Potter, wow. I was like, "America is the Death Eaters. Let's be real." Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fun
0: fact: um,
2: George Lucas, when he was writing the original like Star Wars things, fully was about the Vietnam War. Uh, And uh, (laughs) the empire is not Vietnam, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah,
0: it's, it's wild.
1: Okay. So Toby, you've set up an exciting treat for us today. So you are a masterful storyteller, as you've learned from all of these big fat books throughout your life. And so you're going to tell us some stories about some really cool people. I am. You are. And then Dylan and I will have questions and and thoughts. But um, I hear that your first story is about a U.S. president, perhaps, (laughs) on a copper coin. Would you like (laughs) (laughs) like to pick us off?
2: I I think that one of the most interesting figures in American history, um, oft cited as the greatest president ever. Some people would call him like the most humanitarian of the president's. Is, um, is one Abraham Lincoln, uh, born in Spring- I think Springfield, Illinois, and you know, grew up throughout like all of these different wars, became very much invested in like a lot of the American ideals, but also kind of noticed that slavery was happening and wasn't like entirely happy with it, but also didn't particularly care about it all that much. Um, and then once he finally got into politics, it was the issue of the day. So Abraham Lincoln, his like first moment as a major political figure, right, is um, being on the world state, is being, being in Congress and seeing that the South is pushing for the, the invasion of Mexico. And they're kind of like trying to manufacture this beginning of the war by saying Mexicans, Shot, shot us at this area, this spot, they shot at us. And then Lincoln kind of goes like, show me the area exactly where the Mexicans fired at the United States. And they can't, they can't do it, but they They're do it anyway.
0: They're They're making, making it, making it up. up. They're making it up
2: entirely. And the U.S. does this all the time. Like they did oh, it in Vietnam, but um, Lincoln is kind of against that. And he also sees that this is clearly a power grab for the Southern states to expand the South- Westward. Mm-hmm. Now, what is a lot of the time mistaken about Abraham Lincoln is that he was this, like he was. If he was alive today, he'd be hanging out with the most woke kids and just be, be like, bro, like Black Lives Matter, black people 100 equal, and that's just not who he was. Because remember, he is a white man in the yeah. 1800s. Yeah. he thinks that white people are the pinnacle of society. He's very sure about that um and so at the beginning of the civil war when he is president which you know that i'm i'm a lot of stuff but basically <laughs> th- there's a reason why they skip over all these presidents cuz they're not important they're just <laughs> not they just sit there and they're like man this slavery thing it looks like it's going to be crazy <laughs> I, yeah. I wonder what's going to happen with that oh, and they the just safe
1: there <laughs> yeah. oh my god
2: um but um lincoln knows that he doesn't want slavery to be legal in the North. He also doesn't want the South to leave because in his heart, based on like Christian sympathies, and this is this is a lot of um Christian people at the time period, especially the Quakers, which he may have been a Quaker. Like, it's not entirely sure if Lincoln even had a religion, but he might have been a Quaker. Um, Full disclosure, I'm a Quaker, so I think that'd be pretty cool because the best of the war criminals, being a Quaker, that's that's good (laughs) marketing for us. Um, But he he basically believed that slavery was not entirely, was not right. It's not a right thing to do, but he also wasn't going to go bother the South about it if he didn't have to do it. Mm -hmm. And the complicated thing about Lincoln is people always kind of frame him as this person who always thought, slavery was wrong and needed to be eradicated. And no, he was the, a lot of people say he was the first American president because he was very big on the idea that our country has constantly been disunified on a lot of different issues. And he wanted to make sure that it stayed a country. And to do that, he had to fight this war. He had to finally go and smack the South because they'd gone too far about trying to assert their autonomy and be a collection of states rather than a country and so he fights this war during the course of the war black people become incredibly useful they are they, are very, they always have been but he's bec- they've become very useful to him and his government and trying to disrupt the South. People would flee and then be itching to kick some Southern ass, just beat
1: the <laughs> people. <laughs>
2: like, just so excited to be able to shoot at them, so excited to be able to spy on them, so excited to be able to steal from them. So they're ready to go to the North and fight for them. And Abraham Lincoln finally is like, yeah, that's actually okay. And we start winning, and Lincoln is kind of like, How the hell can I really say that these people don't deserve to vote or at least have rights? Like maybe they're not equal to me, but, you know, they kind of deserve to be Americans if they're going to fight to preserve the country. And that's where you get the that's what as the war gets closer to an end and as Lincoln gets towards the end of his life, he becomes more and more everything you think he is. Everything that he is mythologized to be, he gets closer to it. He never is that. I don't I don't ever want to give the impression that he is that, but he gets closer to being that. Um, And the reason I, I, I wanted to talk about all these historical figures today is because the main thing I'm trying to get at is this. I got interested, as you could hear, when I described his like history and my love of history in morality. And I very much at the beginning of high school. I mean, it sounds cliche, but I decided that I wanted to do everything ethically. I wanted to do everything properly. Mm-hmm. And to figure out how to do that, you, when you're young, at least, a lot of the time you look for role models. You look for people to try to understand and try to emulate. And if you study history over and over again, and the more you study history, the more you see that all these people are full of warts especially if they are powerful people. And if you're a young person in society, you're not looking for the weaker persons who probably aren't in positions to make decisions like that, that usually result in people being in terrible situations. You know, like most people who have power worth a damn in history have done terrible things. The ones who probably don't have the bleaches on their record died young never reached the top of anything, you know, like, and that doesn't mean they're not good people, but it's just like, usually if you get to a certain point, you start making really complicated decisions or really not good decisions. And I'm not saying that to absolve any of these people. I'm not the one who's like, no, no, no. Like Abraham Lincoln's a hero. Stop talking about the bad things. Um, Thomas Jefferson is great. That We could have a a whole other discussion about how stupid (laughs) Thomas Jefferson, child rapist, weirdo he is. (laughs) But, Mm -hmm. you know, like... I think that that is that is really the the reason Abraham Lincoln is so interesting is all of us Americans are constantly taught honest Abe freed the slaves didn't didn't really think black people were equal the most of the time and only began to see it because he pursued a path primarily of pragmatism that resulted in his 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 I guess comprehension that black people were equal um Frederick Douglass gave a speech um, at the dedication of this very strange statue that probably shouldn't exist anymore, but at the time was great with a, with a slave in it's in, I think it's still in DC. It's a slave like with broken chains, like at the feet of, I think either Abraham Lincoln or a white guy. And he's like thanking him. And it's supposed to be like the, the we did it, we ended slavery statue. America's bad at that, but, but never, yeah. mind. never. America can't do good things without making it horrible.
1: Yeah. Um, it's like but, really impossible. We've, we've like, just put ourselves. That's that. like
0: the modern day, like, the U.S., like, giving aid to a foreign country that they promised them, like, 20 years yeah. ago, and then yeah. they will tweet about it. Like, that's the modern equivalent <laughs> to building this statue. And,
2: and, and before they gave the aid, they, like, toppled, like, three different presidents yeah. of that country. Yeah. and they destroyed <laughs> their economy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're talking like, about Haiti. Haiti yeah. is the country we're talking about. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, like... So at this speech, going back to the speech, disregarding the horrible statue, Frederick (laughs) Douglass, acquaintance, not friend i'm sure there is somebody in the south who's teaching the civil war wrong who's saying that frederick douglas and abraham lincoln are friends we're not friends frederick <laughs> frederick Douglass went to his went to the white house visited him abe lincoln was like so what if like all the blacks just left that would be really cool and like frederick was like no, no. that's terrible <laughs> like, that's a terrible that like thing. an awful plan <laughs> that's not what we want we've brought us here we don't have anywhere to go i think we would like a country that like works and Abe was like mm, i'll go back to the drawing board but but anyway but anyway abe abe died they made this stupid idiotic statue and frederick douglas writes or not writes says you know abraham lincoln was a white man's president do not get that twisted i'm obviously not saying exactly what he said but you know he was a president for white people, but there is something within Abraham Lincoln or something to be gleaned from Abraham Lincoln, essentially, that speaks to a morality and speaks to an acceptance of responsibility. Um, I'm very big on when it comes to all of these flawed historical figures is, you know, I, I don't. And just to make sure it's not misconstrued, I'm not talking about Robert E. Lee, um, but <laughs> I don't I don't believe that we should. You know, just toss them all aside and completely ignore them mm-hmm. if they've done bad things. But we should discuss those bad things and then look at the good things that they've done and see if we could learn something from those good things, mm-hmm. even if they might not have been done for exactly the reasons we'd have hoped. But So
1: my yeah. question is... <laughs> you know we know Lincoln as the great emancipator as the first American president as you said and kind of his mm-hmm. role in the Civil War and keeping the United States you know together and preserving the union and such but what are some of the things that maybe disappointed you about Abraham Lincoln or we should be aware of um it's the
2: it's 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 well one there's there's like a lot of Just, you know, obvious American president war criminal stuff like he uh, continues to oversee the obliteration of Native American people throughout his presidency. It's not like he ends that. That's very much part of his work. And, you know, people could say, oh, what was he supposed to do? You know, that's like policy. But he's the president of the United States. If he wanted to if he thought it was wrong, he could have stopped it and he didn't think it was wrong or at least he didn't think it was a priority. And that means he was complicit in an ongoing genocide. So that's that's just the reality there. Um, and I, I guess I could say that's a disappointment because when you're younger, obviously during the Civil War, you don't fixate on whatever is going on with the Native Americans. That's just not important. You're busy talking about how states' rights is somehow the cause of it or some other dumb thing that doesn't make any sense. But that's one thing. And then also just kind of learning that his, his understanding of black people was never ever anything like higher order comprehension of the rights of black people as people. He never, he never, he only started to kind of get there upon his death. And I'm not entirely certain. I think a lot of people who are big fans of Abraham Lincoln um, feel like they can say with certainty that had he survived, he would have nailed reconstruction and made us really proud. But I think he probably would have been way too even handed on or light handed on the Confederates and
1: mm-hmm.
2: probably wouldn't have been the ally to black people that history currently makes him, but in probably a way that the black people at the time probably would have expected, you know?
1: That's so fascinating. Cause I remember learning in an American presidency class and again, um, in other political science class, that um, presidents and, like, the timing of presidents is so dependent on what is going on. And, like, Lincoln was dealt a very lucky hand as a president to have the opportunity to, you know, that this was happening during his term and that he had the opportunity to make these big decisions and such. And so it's, like, really interesting to think that Had any other president or any other person been in office, our world would be so different. Uh, And also, like, Lincoln may not have been who we remember him to be, and he may have been negligible, like, you know, several presidents before (laughs) him and after him. But no, that's definitely so fascinating to think about when we look at presidents and world leaders and that. They are dependent as much on what is going on in the world as we are on them to fix things.
2: I, I would also add that, like in, a, I guess, a democracy, it depends on the day in America. But mm-hmm. you know, you have a lot more. I'm not not to say that leaders in other forms of government don't have like different things that balance against what they try to do, but I think that you have a lot less control over this is my agenda this is what i want to get done and this is what's going to happen uh a lot of a lot of the times presidents are the result of the moment and then their responses to stimuli uh i remember not remember something i always say is we were very lucky to an extent but also you could argue the rest of the world wasn't um from 1930 no 1929 to i'd say 1991, like the entirety of the Cold War, we didn't have somebody like Donald Trump become president Mm -hmm. um, because I think we would have had a nuclear war. All those guys suck for entirely different reasons, like each one of them, but they aren't, I, I wouldn't say they were as impulsive as a lot of other presidents might have been. Like say Andrew Johnson was president at that moment, the guy who came after Lincoln. Andrew Johnson went on a speaking tour where he kept getting drunk and spitting at the crowd and everyone did exactly the opposite of what he wanted. And that that was, that was how stupid Andrew Johnson was. Warren, Warren Harding brought all of his friends to the white house with him and appointed them to the cabinet positions and they robbed the country blind. And then when he started to see some of the news about it, he had a stroke and died. Like he's, they're both stupid people and had they been president during that window, I think it would have ruined possibly the world. Maybe more than what other than all those other presidents did, though.
0: Oh, my God. And I think there's something to be said, like looking at the important decisions that are made in history, it's important to understand those decisions. But it's also important Mm -hmm. to understand the reason that those decisions were made. Like one of the most like quoted things from Abraham Lincoln all come from his debates with Stephen Douglas, where he's talking about emancipation. But Uh then when you read down further in the debate... Like, the big debate, it was always, like, Kansas. Like, what's going to happen with Kansas? Like, yeah, are, yeah. is slavery, going to, be, yeah, is slavery um, going to be allowed in Kansas? Yes or no? <laughs> and Lincoln, like, literally clearly said out loud, he was like, I think no, because then it's taking paying jobs away from white people. Like, it was never about emancipation. It was that, like, oh, if we had slavery, then white people wouldn't be able to do those jobs and get paid for it.
1: It was like the one time Kansas, like, was important to anything
0: and, and relevant. I don't know anything about Kansas.
1: Kansas had one moment to shine in all of American history, and it still flopped. It still oh flopped. My God. It flopped. Uh,
2: I, and I will say, like, some Lincoln apologists are like, well, he's doing this to be political, and he, he actually believes in slavery being bad, but he's just hiding it because he needs to win office. And, like, the reality is... I don't fucking know. He's dead. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> get, like, you don't know, don't pretend you know, stop, you yeah. know, you can wear your top hat on Halloween, but you
0: don't fucking know. So like, yeah. remember, the person you're making like excuses for is a white man living in the 1860s. Like, you have I mean, to rat.
1: you have to contextualize that. I, I don't I don't, think, I, like daily showers were a thing at that point like you yeah. no, I mean, like, not not that's if, that's certainly your, not in white
2: places yeah. that's
1: who you're making
0: an excuse for that's yeah you're making an excuse for it exactly you
1: know about deodorant like this like, oh, <laughs> no oh my goodness <laughs> Oh my god! I think we have to stop hating on Lincoln. Like just before like the Lincoln stands come out. Like we're gonna get. Yeah, they're
0: gonna come out of the woodwork. We forget I live in Michigan. They're probably hiding here somewhere.
2: Watch out! A a common sense conservative is gonna come out of the wood and start biting you.
0: yeah so oh my um, goodness one of the questions we had like previously written was so we noticed every time there's like a political discussion uh mm. whether it's me on facebook i i don't know what it is conservatives in michigan love to come into my facebook <laughs> comments and then it launches like multi-hundred comment debates
2: oh my god
0: and or like with your family and friends but whenever the whenever history is being brought up whenever the constitution is brought up everyone in the room instantly becomes like a constitutional scholar like they know the entire constitution front to back and so does that ever make you mad as somebody who from like at least my and bahini's point of view like you are a constitutional scholar like you know so much more about this than the average person so like does it ever like does it ever get you like that you're just like these people have no idea at all what they are talking about. Okay. So I will just say, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> I am not a constitutional scholar. I don't want anyone to get the phones
2: about that. Do some research on the basis of what I have to say, but um, I definitely do get annoyed because the way people interpret the constitution and the way people say certain things are valued is generally very wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, One of the best examples of this is like the the Second Amendment debate, because a lot of people assume that the founders were very much like crazed about that and that it was going to be unlimited and that, you know, everyone should be very much protected about their guns. Like, no, these guys were these guys were old school aristocrats who really liked the idea of rich people being able to vote. So you have to think about what their main protect, what the thing they want to protect more than anything is, is usually one property and two standing. I, I personally think that an armed citizenry is kind of a good thing, but also America has a serious problem with its psychology about guns and it's resulted in a lot of death. But the founders were talking about, having probably something resembling police Mm -hmm. they weren't talking about having everybody own a gun so that they could fight their government because they believe that the natural order of things is very important there's a reason why and this falls out somehow this what this didn't make it into the musical but hamilton was pretty much (laughs) looking for uh, a monarchy to happen Mm -hmm. where the president was like basically a god and he just left after like nine years and then the next president happened. But so these guys are not these guys are not trying to be like, yes, Jeffrey in the in Bumblefuck, Texas. No, God forbid you have to pay property taxes. Take out your AR-15 and go ham. Like that's not mm-hmm. what they wanted. Yeah. They didn't they weren't interested in that kind of a universe. But, I mean, like, people talk about the Constitution and use it, even politicians who, who are probably more well-read about the Constitution than me on both sides of the aisle, like, you know, your Ted Cruz's, your Tom Cotton's, I mean, these guys went to Harvard Law School and they were they're in government and they've been working with all of this stuff for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Like, they know how the Constitution works, but they use it disingenuously. And then their disingenuous usage of it, trickles down to all the people who follow them on Twitter, trickles down to all the people who watch them on Fox News, trickles down to all these people. And people on all sides of the aisle use the Constitution incorrectly. The Constitution yeah. was a framework for a republic where mostly rich landed people voted. And if you look at revolutions in Europe that happened around that time period, you know people who are looking for a democracy, who are looking for something that is not a monarchy... Are not looking for poor people to vote. That was rare. That didn't happen like anywhere in the universe except in Athens. And it's a new thing as of like the late 1800s, early 1900s. So looking at the Constitution and saying it's definitely this, it's definitely that, you have to look at the historical context. Some of that shit is there because somebody wanted to signal to someone. Somebody wanted to, like, it's political, it's politics. Mm -hmm. It's just like, Just like how you see these morons posting things on Twitter like, you know, all lives matter or, you know, just just some dumb thing to try and attract somebody's attention. People are doing that with the founding document of this country. (laughs) So it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah.
0: Like the Fifth Amendment is probably just a giant subtweet to someone living in like the <laughs> late 1700s.
2: They're like, we're going to get Rhode Island with the Fifth Amendment. I know
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I know <we're> gonna- <laughs> the Constitution is a subtweet. You heard it here first.
2: Yeah. Oh my I mean, goodness. the Fed- just saying the Federalist Papers are a subtweet. Federalist like, <laughs> Papers
1: one. are so shady. Like,
2: They're so quite shady. literally a subtweet. The, the Supreme Court cites the Federalist Papers, and it was just just to, like, get people in New York on board. That's...
0: Yeah. <laughs> they said, it has that's, no legal standing, but none. they're really quoting it.
1: <laughs> none!
0: None at all! They did like, put
1: their name on you know. it. Like, it was anonymous. No. They, and,
2: and, by the way, more evidence that they're, like, Greek, Roman Republic... Uh, arist- mm-hmm. aristocracy fangirls like they all use like weird <laughs> Roman nicknames
0: yeah. As their- <laughs> yeah like what the fuck is pu- Publius <laughs> like, you
2: think some agrarian farmer in 1773 is like man
0: Publius was really on his shit like no they were mad because they're paying taxes that's it oh like
1: goodness. Come and on, man. Really,
0: they people living in like rural like West Virginia. I don't even know if West Virginia was a state at the time. I'm not a Virginia historian. was. Virginia. In rural Virginia, like the likeliness <laughs> that they were able to read no like very unlikely they're like, I'm a farmer what do I need to read for
2: <laughs> literally oh they went on a day trip to the town over like
1: that's <laughs> that's, that's a fucking their
2: big focus for the time period
1: oh my goodness. <laughs> okay well speaking of reading and literature <laughs> <laughs> That that was my transition to the next person. Um, So this is someone I actually studied in seventh grade English class, and I did a lit review in AP Lit of all of their poetry. Toby, do you have thoughts on the late Tupac Shakur?
2: I have many thoughts on the late, I guess great, Tupac
1: Shakur. So... Um, Give us like the context of I think many of us know Tupac's career and I think we're all Living in a time where we're conscious of his Legacy but can you give us some context Of what the world looked like When Tupac was Tupac
2: The world when Tupac was Tupac Was That sounds like the title of a great book Yeah I'm sure ta <laughs> Coates is working on it <laughs> Um <laughs> but the the world at that time period was just finishing up with reagan um white people were over the moon about everything like they were super happy because russia was looking like a complete and utter foolish pigsty they'd had chernobyl a few years ago the wall was on its way to coming down um reagan was the greatest man in the entire universe who never did a single thing wrong asterisk and you know like everything was great they they just put they passed several bills to put all the black people in prison because they were using crack and not cocaine bad move should have done better you know pick the right team um, but, but but they threw they threw all these people in jail. Um, there are tons of like interference and CIA nonsense going on in South America, but we're not talking about that. Mm-hmm. And black people, of course, during in the wake of this, are miserable because that entire time period is backlash to you know LBJ's Great Society and investments in poor people and post-civil rights movement, black liberation movement, which is very much about, you know, trying to acquire healthy living standards for black people, very much leftist, very much characterized by um, certain black people and most white people as just troublemaking by miscreants. And in response, you get all of this prison, these prisons growing up, you get Um, the slashing of social benefits provided by the government and that is kind of the universe that Tupac grew up in so Tupac grew up around a lot of people who were involved with the Black Panthers were um, acquaintances of like Angela Davis Um, his aunt yeah I believe his aunt Asada Shakur actually in the 70s because of a complicated situation where i believe a police officer was trying to kill her
1: on the turnpike in new jersey on
2: That's the turnpike on in new jersey yeah
1: mm-hmm.
2: um she killed a police officer and then she was put in jail they raped her and were harassing her before her trial so she escaped and fled to cuba and that like those are the type of people that surround tupac's life i believe his dad was a member of another Black liberation group, but I don't remember what. So that is the world that Tupac emerges in. And he was... I don't know if he was born in Oakland. I feel like he was born in Oakland. That was definitely where he spent a lot of like mm-hmm. his career. And Oakland was... I want to make sure I'm right about this. I think Oakland is the birthplace of the Black Panther Party. And so that that whole area colors his worldview colors his understanding and colors his development and that 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 i say would be like a as much detail without being overly detailed explanation of the world
0: that he was born into
1: you're you right
0: it, it was founded in oakland i just googled it
1: and thank you two <laughs> bounced around he was born in manhattan or born in new york lives in baltimore and then eventually moved to california so there you go i think in baltimore is where he met jada pinkett smith but we don't have to talk about that <laughs> That's that that's
2: very well it's in shambles, right? (laughs) now
1: I okay, side note this is not important to this conversation. I love how their relationship still is so relevant to like Jada Pinkett Smith's marriage. Like I don't know how Will Smith like like his self
0: esteem.
1: His self esteem must be so low. Like I can't imagine like Either,
2: either incredibly low as a result of it, or incredibly high to withstand it.
1: That's actually really true. But like, imagine waking up every day knowing Mm -hmm. that like you cannot live up to this man, who your (laughs) wife is still in love with. Like that's devastating. But that's that's besides. Oh my god. That is neither here nor there. So a lot of us know and love Tupac Mm -hmm. as one of the greatest rappers of all time, as someone that was a social. And political leader, um, very glorified, very much someone that is to be celebrated. I don't know. So, I don't know that I've ever heard a critique of Tupac in my life. And I mean that so honestly until you and I were talking a couple days ago and you had some thoughts about Tupac. And I want to hear them. And I think the world needs to hear them.
2: So, Tupac is. Somebody who when I was younger, I actually really, really like idolized, I thought was an absolutely incredible rapper, an incredible force of nature, was talking about um, the problems of blackness, was incredibly raw in some of the things he wrote about. And, you know, there are some things I think he did that were interesting and like good for I think the community especially because he brought up these issues and because he was like talking about like, like I think his his song Dear Mama is like really beautiful cuz he's like writing a thank you to his like mother for everything she's done mm-hmm. and it's like yeah like good you are you're like uplifting black women and I kind of wonder if cuz you can see an arc in some of his his work that indicates this but if he had like a a Lincoln type arc about a lot of these these things, You'll see where I'm getting at. But, you know, Tupac, Tupac was a convicted rapist. Tupac was a very aggressive, hyper-masculine person. Tupac was a lot of the things that we don't like about rap now. And the reason that we see a lot of the things we don't like about rap now so often is probably because a lot of those guys look up to Tupac. You know, um, a lot of the songs he writes about, a lot of the violence he writes about, and you know, violence is real. Violence is a part of mm-hmm. a lot of the black experience. So I don't really have as much of a problem about writing about your your experience, mm-hmm. but I mean, <laughs> a lot of the misogyny that's baked in to rap is because people look up to a guy like that and they say the same things and they do the same things. Mm -hmm. And the reason that that probably is a part of Tupac's life is because just like I told you, he was grown up in black liberation and all of that. Now the women in black liberation, you should go and read about them because they're pretty excellent and they're looking for intersectional growth a lot of the time. And they're trying to change the world for everybody and they're trying to change the world for women and they're trying to change the world for LGBTQ people. Not all of them, but a lot of them. But there is this dominant strain that was throughout black liberation and you can even see it a lot in the civil rights movement that is super duper sexist and hella misogynistic and really holds us back Mm -hmm. all the time. If women complain about a thing, it's not that big of a deal. Selling women down the river, anything to get the the cause forward you know who cares if we if we let our if we let black women down that he he never paid a price amongst black men mm. Or even black women, for that matter, for for his rape. The real problem wasn't the fact that he was a rapist. The only reason that white people even cared about that was because that they could just tear down a black person and paint him as a criminal because that's what white society at the time was very interested in doing. Remember, post-Reagan era, black people chose crack, not cocaine, so they have to suffer the price for that. Mm -hmm. So obviously anyone who's engaging in this rap music, if we could paint them as a criminal, we could paint them as bad. Let's do it. That's why they fixated on it. But they just care because he was a black guy and he was com- confident and he was talking about how bad certain things were. But that's why, like, and you can even hear it in the way I'm talking about him, you know, and I think this might hit home a lot more for other people than Abraham Lincoln does. Mm-hmm. The people you look up to are multifaceted and flawed
1: mm-hmm. and
2: they always will be. And sometimes I th- I honestly do think that Tupac is a person in the black community and in history, maybe not amongst, you know, National Review conservatives because they just think he was a useless person. Um, but still look up to people like Jerry Lee Lewis married the 15 year old. But anyway, I. Um, the, the whole situation with Tupac is that he is just very, very complicated, and you can go and listen to all of his music, mm-hmm. and yes, the flow is good. Yes, the passion is awesome. Yes, the beats are unique. The California swagger, all of that is one of a kind, but my God, is it misogynistic? <laughs> my God, is it, is it speak to something that is unhealthy about this experience? And you know, 20, 30 years later, the same people are like, yo, Tupac's a go, Tupac's a legend, Tupac's amazing, are the same people that don't care when Megan Thee Stallion gets shot and, you know, are going to be celebrating Bill Cosby getting out of prison and ignoring the fact that Lil Uzi Vert just went and beat up a woman in California like a couple weeks ago. Like, that is something we need to talk about and when we talk about it, believe me, black community get goes kicking and screaming into that conversation and they want no part of it.
1: I think what you just you keep emphasizing is that the people we look up to are multifaceted and flawed. And so I'm kind of and also I'm still thinking about the way that you said that going into high school you decided you wanted to be completely ethical and moral. Um and you qualified that by saying the people that you look up to or the people worth looking up to or have a spot in history have never been completely ethical and moral. And so I'm kind of curious to know what kind of balance or peace have you found um, for yourself in terms of your promise and conviction within yourself to be the person you wish to be and balancing that with the blueprints and you know, paths before you that have been laid out by people that have made their marks in history and maybe have effectively produced some things that you look up to or you're grateful for that you think are really awesome?
2: Um, well, I mean, that's obviously an ongoing process, you know, Of um, at present, a big part of that blueprint is to steer clear of running for office for a very long time maybe forever because I feel like everything that all of the incentive systems in running for office Mm -hmm. result in ethical compromise. And then say, say my, my pacifist ass wanted to take control of some country that also results in serious ethical problems. Mm -hmm. If you want to look up to any revolutionary who's Mm -hmm. actually succeeded they probably killed a ton of innocent people mm-hmm. who happened to just be in situations where they were next to wealthy people who manipulated a lot of people. And they stopped asking questions because it was it was not convenient to do so. So steering clear of like, I guess complete power over something is is something that I'm currently kind of feeling like I have to do if I want to live a life that way. Um, and then, in terms of like looking up to people, and looking up to certain figures i i feel like something i always do is i say the warts of every figure before i even go into the positives like i do look up to robert kennedy in a sense but robert kennedy was wiretapping mlk and trying to convince his brother to not talk to Martin Luther King while he was in prison while Nixon was actually on the phone trying to reach out to him um you know like th- that's that's something I have to bring up um Thurgood Marshall is somebody I look up to and Thurgood was married to a woman who really really cared about him but could not conceive a child and he he cheated he cheated on her and then she died and he just kept going like yeah. he just moved on with his life like You know, that's that's real. You have to acknowledge those things. And you want to just if you want to ignore them, that's the part of you that is letting them slide for the things they've done, because the people they've hurt don't matter as long as they make up for it. And that's just not the way that's not true. That's not how bad things work. I could invent something that completely ends cancer and world hunger. But if I go and beat the crap out of Vahini cause she's done nothing wrong and I was having a bad day, I should not be absolved of that because of the magnitude of something else I've done. That's just not the way it works.
1: Mm-hmm. That's super yeah. insightful. And I think something a lot of people will be glad to have heard today. Um, it, it is a lot and it's really heavy and as you said it's an ongoing process and i think all of us have our own personal journeys with that but i'm really glad that we got to hear yours
2: thank you mm-hmm.
0: and one of the things i will say i'm kind of looking forward and i'm excited for um from this conversation is you know you were talking about how um the the world where tupac was coming into um mm-hmm. was kind of um you know something that we experience in american history a lot where there mm-hmm. is there are times of great equity and there are times where like justice is something that is actually being sought and understood and then there are times where there is a backlash to that like forward progress like reagan yeah there was the ebb and flow but and so i think like someone like tupac and we see a lot of artists they get their start or they're inspired by that backlash and Mm -hmm. so i think about the trump presidency and how we're still dealing with the ramifications of the trump presidency and trumpism across the united states and i'm just interested to see what that is going to do for like art across the united states and what's that going to do for musical artists and it already is um but what is like what is going to, how is that going to create a lasting impact on how we consume media and how we consume music are everything
2: for sure for sure i mean some something that's very important and is the i think is maybe even the hardest part of holding people accountable is keeping in mind while keeping in mind that they might have done something good and then keeping in mind that they might have done something bad the third step is remembering the ecosystem and context in which those behaviors both good and bad arise mm-hmm. and that is how you get the complete person so you know i mean i mean the the idiot at the center of a lot of this is ronald reagan and ronald reagan grew up Um, really looking up to FDR, ironically, but somehow he, he sees that as like, okay, so we've done enough for poor people. Now it's time to correct it. And that, that results in who Ronald Reagan is and Mm -hmm. all of these different people become who they are because of the situations on top of their decisions within those situations. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So when, like when talking about historical figures, it's important to recognize there are like pitfalls and The negatives about them but to mm-hmm. remember That they were not people who were Living within a vacuum
2: Yes oh. yes nail on the head Couldn't have said it better
0: Alright we're gonna move <laughs> We're gonna transition a little bit so we have Our rapid fire questions which a lot Of people liked from episode one so we're gonna Continue in <laughs> it um, And so we wrote these specifically for you So Vahini do you wanna start with the first Rapid fire question?
1: Yeah sure So Toby this is a- I think you must have one. Um, what is your favorite, or which is your favorite amendment to the Constitution, and which is your least favorite? Hmm.
2: Favorite amendment has got to be the Due Process Clause,
1: Fourteenth so Amendment. For someone that isn't isn't familiar with the Constitution, as you are,
2: so the Due Process Clause comes after the Thirteenth and before the Fifteenth Thirteenth. And slavery 15th gives all people, quote unquote, the right to vote. Mm -hmm. Um, South wasn't down with either of those very much, did not like those amendments, saw those as a big L, um, recipes, (laughs) big L, a rapper from the 1990s. But um, the 14th Amendment essentially said that you could not be denied due process under law on the basis of. I believe it's just race, mm-hmm. so because they didn't want to get the women in there, they didn't want to get everybody <laughs> of else involved. God
1: forbid.
2: God forbid. Um, but the due process clause got used by my problematic Bay Earl Warren, like <laughs> almost a hundred years later, um, to through the Supreme Court to basically keep saying. So through the fifteenth through the 14th Amendment, this right applies to the states because the Supreme Court did a little dance move that takes a long time to explain. But during the late 1800s, when they were not so cute, they were just saying, OK, so all these amendments, they're really great. They only apply to limit the federal government. Don't you worry, states. Arkansas, poor baby. I, it's totally fine. You, you can just you can just kill black people with reckless abandon. Please don't ever feel like it res- involves you. It's just so that like anybody named Woodrow Wilson can't like just shoot them from the top of the block. But if he's governor, I mean like go ham, like that's lit. And eventually (laughs) the due process clause is utilized to bring all of these different rights to the states and basically say, it doesn't just apply to federal court. It doesn't just apply to when the president enacts a bill. It applies to the states and I, I know that makes no sense, like that something could be a law that only applies to like the idea of the United States. But if you're on the ground in like a state, it doesn't count like that doesn't make any sense. But it would take 50 years for me to explain the stupidity that is behind that. But yeah, so 14th Amendment is amazing.
0: I love the 14th Amendment, too. For any people who are looking to get into history, like if you think about so many like civil liberties that we enjoy today, marriage equality, the right Mm -hmm. to – uh, the um, like bodily autonomy for women, like all of those Supreme court cases in one way or another, they have the due process clause like baked into them. So it's like the cornerstone of everything I love in the world. So it's like
1: <laughs> all my 14th amendment stands to rise up. <laughs> okay. Dylan, next question. Um,
0: what is your favorite song off of sour by Olivia Rodrigo? Oh, Um, it is either,
2: I have three I could pick. It's, it's either Brutal, Good For You, or, um, Hope You're Okay. Uh, if you, if you notice the album, Good For You is just like awesome. It's just very good at building crescendos and everything, but Brutal and, um, Hope You're Okay are the only songs in that album that are not written in the second person where she's talking directly to, um, the person that, she, that broke up with her. Those two songs are just and like that creates a symmetry and also kind of shows like, okay, I, I at the end I've put away all of my vitriol for him. I'm just focusing on like the greater context of the universe and how um, how how like the people in my life are, how I feel about the world, like. It's it's a brilliant song. She she's gonna be great. Like she's gonna be around for a year She's just yeah. a brilliant musician.
1: Toby what, more, to make? Like,
2: Toby, <laughs> Wait, what did you?
1: You're I'm sorry. Genius. You're like you've given so much insight. Like I was not prepared <laughs> for that. I was. I was it, <laughs> it's a
2: god tier album. Like I stand by it. I'll die on that hill. <laughs>
1: um, I have a really important question, Toby. Okay. um picture yourself you're at the constitutional convention you oh, take in the room all these men smell they're old they oh, don't they're have, disgusting they don't have any teeth but Ugh. if you could have any of them be your sugar daddy who would you want to be your sugar daddy and why ben franklin i was gonna say ben franklin too. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a smart answer
2: um it's but be.
1: but what? The, what syphilis? You think about the gout, and the, syphilis? Yeah. The gout
2: yeah. and the
0: syphilis The gout and yeah. the syphilis The gout and the syphilis I definitely
2: said that because I was thinking about how resourceful and interesting he is and not okay. about the gout and the syphilis so okay. I think, we'll I, think okay. I think I'm just going to have to bite the bullet on the gout and the syphilis <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's no like, yeah, that's, You know that it's bad when you're considering the alternatives and gout and syphilis like, that seems to like win. Like,
2: I'm not. I'm not trying to deal with Alexander Hamilton's drama nonsense, and then the rest yeah. of them own slaves. So like, no. You don't need to be
0: written into a musical. Like, no, God whatever, I like. want to be
2: like John Adams, where they're like John Adams, and then they don't mention him
0: again, <laughs> even though he was president. Yeah. oh <laughs> my Goodness. Oh, okay. God. So the next rapid fire question is if you could force secede one of the States in the United States, what state would it be? Like if you could just be like, you have a unilateral decision to just, they are not part of the United States anymore.
2: <laughs> so many different ways to get in trouble with this question. <laughs> um, uh I'm being very pragmatic. We're seceding Florida and it's not because of Florida, man, because I think that's hilarious. I think it's very important to our culture. Mm -hmm. But um, Ron DeSantis will probably win the 2024 election and if he was not a citizen, that would be really cool. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
0: I'm trying to to get...
2: Trying to get those wins for the Democrats, yeah. even though they're mediocre as fuck.
0: Another good answer would have been Hawaii, because then it's like get rid of oh. the settler colonialism. Like, yeah. Even though yeah, that, be like, across the entire United States, that's just kind of like the newest um. one.
1: Yeah, Toby upheld imperialism. But wow. Damn it! That's, that's actually
2: such a good answer, Dylan. I could have been a, I could have liberated. I just upheld the Democrats. Oh my god, that was yeah. so
1: stupid.
0: Oh my! You were god. worried about the electoral college.
2: I wasn't being revolutionary enough. Fred Hampton would kick my ass. Well,
1: so we were talking about Hamilton a second ago. So for the next question. Who would win in a rap battle? Lin-Manuel oh. Miranda or Macklemore? And like in my head, they're equal. But like I know that's false, but I don't know why. Like I I haven't substantiated my full like thoughts on Macklemore. So
2: this is not a video podcast, but my hands were in my on um, my head was in my hands. I was distraught, inconsolable <laughs> for the last few seconds of being asked this terrible question. <laughs> but but I got to give it to Macklemore. Really? I think I have to. I mean, you know, he he can probably put a bar together. It's just, you know, <laughs> he's rapping about the stupidest shit <laughs> every fucking time. And um, it, I know it doesn't get much stupider than, than the Bill of Rights and the Constitution <laughs> with, with Hamilton, but,
1: but. you know. Of
2: course. Uh, I think I'm going to give it to Mac. Okay.
1: Wow.
0: Okay. Unique perspective. Yeah, that's
1: really unique.
0: <laughs> I don't think I could have answered that question that was, properly. That was really brave of you. Thank you for sharing
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Okay, so the next rapid-fire question is, It is, we're leading up to the 2024 election. Mm. Joe Biden has now said that he is not seeking a second term. <gasps> and... It is, Congress passes a law, it's signed, I don't know the legal implications of this, as if this is even allowed, but they said no person who has held elected office in the United States is allowed to run for president. So that would be past presidents, that could be anyone who's held an elected office at all. They could be like a city council member, no, they can't run for president. So who you got running for president?
2: Oh, my God.
0: Or who do you want? Like, who would like if they said, oh, I'm running for president, you'd be like, oh, I'm jumping on that campaign. Like, I'm going to yeah. knock doors. I'm going to wear the T-shirts, get the buttons. All right. So I have two answers. I have two answers.
1: Okay.
0: One is the correct
2: answer, but it's super duper esoteric. It's um, Mike Duncan, who read, who made the History of Rome podcast and the Revolutions podcast. He is incredible historian he is very very smart he understands the dynamics of how when a government treats poor people really badly that usually results in them dying until we invented drones so now i think it's over but you know Mm -hmm. that that is the person who i would want to run the country if he had never held elected office now for trying to win.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> for trying yeah, to, actually, yeah.
2: to actually win. Okay. The right answer has got to be probably Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. He's popular, he's famous, he's a liberal. Um, he went to Cal Berkeley. So I think he's smart.
1: Okay.
0: You think?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think.
1: <laughs> okay. He
2: was the quarterback of a team in Wisconsin. Okay. And voice support for. State. Co- and that's very good. You have Battleground State. And he voiced support for Colin Kaepernick, mm. which is cr- which is insane. Like, mm-hmm. that's an insane thing to do. Um, so I think that's the popularity. He's very cute. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's very smart. He's white. So, you know, probably <laughs> a winner or whatever. And he's an athlete. I was initially going to say LeBron, but I was like, there, I got to let the black guy with no college degree be president so i pick aaron Rodgers.
1: okay that's solid that was really thoughtful thank you toby
2: thank you
1: um okay we're wrapping up i just have one question and then dylan will have one more question what if are your, like i don't really need like an explanation or anything but just like what you, what are your feelings at this juncture about the kimye divorce
0: he's getting his eyes i just want to like i just want to like narrate what's happening on the video call right now there is a, a feeling of distraught in the zoom call fuck um all right i think it's probably
2: probably better for kim than it is for kanye um she's probably gonna be okay i think kanye needs to make sure he has people around him that he can trust that will support him and make sure he's okay and i hope he can be a good father to those kids somehow
1: that was so
0: tough. insightful. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Okay, Dylan, you have the last question. I'm excited to hear you read it.
0: Um, so I just want to f- start by saying, Vahini wrote this question. Um, <laughs> I do not agree nor endorse this comment um, um, in any way. Um, but why is New Jersey superior? So New Jersey oh, is God. superior
2: by, but for then more than every other state because. First off, we're blue, so that's good. um good start, very low bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we do not deal with regular natural disasters yet we still have seasons, and we still get snow, but usually, I mean, climate change is pending, but it doesn't devastate the state like um some state <coughs> Michigan um and <laughs> you know, A road <laughs> and so I think that that's pretty epic and as long as we don't have hurricanes for the next forever, but it will probably happen because we've ruined the planet. Um, But, you know, assuming previous conditions,
0: New Jersey's kind of the place to be. It really is. Kind of amazing. I was thinking, like, I was like, thank God or whomever, that I don't have to deal with stuff like earthquakes because I think earthquakes oh really—they'd rock, rock my reality like that. They would get a little too real too quickly.
1: I like thought tornadoes were going to be a bigger threat than they are. Like I remember in elementary, school, I'm so glad they're not. Like I thought I was like prepped and ready to go. Like when the sun turns green, I gotta run. It's time to go. Yeah, it's time scares. to flee. But New Jersey, luckily, I've never had to. I to deal with that.
0: Meanwhile, my 85-year-old grandmother, when she was still alive, would sit in her garage and literally watch tornado-level storms. Just, like, sit there in her garage and watch. And that's, like, a common thing in the Midwest. If you ask people in the Midwest, like, does your grandparent sit in their, like, screened-in porch or in their garage during the middle of a tornado – They will say yes, because people from the Midwest, like tornadoes, just I was talking to this just the other day. I was like, tornadoes don't scare me. And I think it's because I was raised around people who like we did not take them seriously. Well, I mean, (laughs) shit,
2: like you got tornadoes fluttering around outside of watching football and owning cheap property. What else is there? (laughs) <laughs> what are you supposed to fucking do in Oklahoma Literally,
1: like, <laughs> Jesus Christ
2: man <laughs> yeah oh, fucking tornadoes. that's insane
1: well I guess <sighs> that wraps up episode two thank you so much for joining us Toby this was such an awesome conversation um and you're just such an awesome person so thank you thank you thank you from Dylan and I
2: it's my pleasure I'm had so much fun you guys are the best you're such nice hosts
0: (laughs) oh thank you so much um so yeah to all of our extra special listeners make sure you follow at gen zeal podcast on all social media to stay up to date on new episodes we'll have some fun and some fun bonus content that we'll have from toby coming this week so um yeah awesome bye (laughs)
1: bye Don't forget that day we met
0: your eyes so
1: blue mere person through